0: Okay, welcome to the Sunday show of Progressive News Network on Blog Talk Radio, or as I call it, PNN. My name is Janine Moloff and I am the producer and the host of this Sunday show. And this is a show where we try to encapsulate some weeks what are the major stories going on in the news, albeit, yes, from a pr- progressive point of view. Okay, I will not even attempt to try and hide the bias. Everybody has one. And we're progressive. There's enough conservative voices out there. that I want to drown out everyone else. This is progressive. When I say progressive, to me, being progressive or liberal or what leftist, whatever you call the word, to me means open-minded. Okay? It always has. Other people, and they're entitled to. But don't tell me what I mean by it because that's what I mean by it being fair, being honest, and being open-minded. This is not the kind of show where I welcome callers unless I announce it at the beginning of the show. And the reason I do that is because I'm frankly sick and tired of the chorus of ditto heads, know-nothings, QAnon morons that basically want to join the peanut gallery and spout off their opinions where they really don't know what they're talking about. Okay, plus my colleagues and I, we pay for this time. I'm not about to allow somebody who wants to just drown us out to basically freeload on our on our dime. It's not going to happen. So if you saw the advert today (coughs) excuse me here. If you saw the advert today, you saw that we're going to focus on a couple different things. Some weeks we focus on one story in depth. Other weeks, we do two or three. It just depends on what's, you know, happening in the news cycle. And there was a lot going on this week. So this Sunday show is going to focus, number one, on the confirmation vote for Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson. And she has been confirmed. She is, it is historic. She is the first black woman that has been appointed to the Supreme Court. We're also, in conjunction with that story, we're going to talk about the overt, not-so-subtle bigotry of the GOP. It was on parade this week, and I I just wanted to scream, you know, to the point where Senator Tom Cotton practically, he literally implied, if not stated, that Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson was a Nazi sympathizer. Now, I called Senator Cotton's office and left a message excuse me. Everything's in bloom right now in St. Louis. I called Senator Cotton's office, and I'm very open about the fact that I am a proud Jewish woman. I am a Reformed Jew, which means, yes, I believe in modernity, okay? And I believe that rights, including religious rights, should be equal between men and women, okay? So, and, and really, I guess you could say all genders. Uh, again, I'm just first learning that stuff. But the point is I, I'm on that, you know, spectrum. In other words, I, I believe in equality, including in religion. Um, that being said, when Tom Cotton, who was a white, generically Christian male, made, slandered and defamed Judge Jackson in that manner, I had to leave a message for him. And it was on a personal level. See, back here in St. Louis, one of my great uncles was a local rabbi, uh, Rabbi Rosentrader. And during the lead-up to World War II, Jewish families here and other parts of the U.S. were getting letters from relatives that were still in Europe saying that the Holocaust was starting. People were already disappearing, Uh, very similar to what's going on in Ukraine, the Russian attack on the Ukrainian people. And there was a group of rabbis, including my uncle, Rabbi Rosen who worked very hard to get an audience with then-President FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. They wanted some Christian clergy to come with them in an interfaith appeal. They could not get a single member of the Christian clergy that was white to come with not from the Catholic Church, not from any Protestant sects, not evangelicals, nothing. But they could get some Christian members of the clergy to come with them, namely the black ministers. God bless them. So for Tom Cotton to call a black woman somebody who is sympathizing with Nazis is just beyond the pale. I just wasn't going to take it. Thunder Cotton needs to get his facts straight, you know. But then that would be about telling the truth, and, of course, we can't have that, not in the GOP anyway. So that's the first story, the bigotry on parade, the way Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson has been slandered and libeled and defamed, and she knew the game. She had to keep cool and look charming, and more so than than white women, but all women know that when you get into a position of power you're about to, you ha- you can't look too aggressive. This is the other poison besides racism the poison of misogyny and she held it you know together um and it was disgusting all right the next story we're going to discuss some aspects of the humanitarian emergency in ukraine as russian troops kidnap ukrainian civilians and hold them in what can only be called prison or concentration camps all right And again, as a Jew who lost family in the Holocaust, I can call them concentration camp. No white Christian can. Sorry, Chica, it doesn't work that way. And again, my question is, when will the President authorize a no-fly zone? Okay? And then finally, I'm going to discuss a story that's received very little press coverage in the mainstream. And namely, that is the global civil disobedience that uh, we saw in Parade, by climate scientists that coincides with the release of the final IPCC climate report. Okay? And the last IPCC report blatantly states that we are headed to irreversible climate disaster. And yet the corporate media just pretty much ignored it. Instead, they focused on the infamous slap herd around the world when Will Smith slapped Chris Rock during the Oscars. Okay? Nothing like some triviality, right? So let's move into it. The first story, Kataji Brown-Jackson confirmation. You know, the shameful behavior of Republicans during these confirmation hearings was beyond belief. Now, some of them, especially Lindsey Jackson, are claiming this is payback for the bad treatment that Judge Amy Coney Barrett and Judge Kavanaugh received. Except for one thing. Neither Judge Kavanaugh nor Amy Coney Barrett were slandered, defamed. Neither one of them was accused of being a pedophile or a Nazi sympathizer. Now, Brett Kavanaugh was accused of raping a young girl when he was a teenager. And there was evidence. Just was. And it came out later, after Kavanaugh's confirmation, that the FBI, I'm assuming per Trump's order, I'll have to double-check that, the FBI did not conduct a full investigation. They just let it slide. So, once again, Brett Kavanaugh brought that on himself. And it wasn't just from one woman, okay? We've seen this before with Clarence Thomas, okay? when Anita Hill accused him of sexual harassment. And Anita Hill was the one that was literally lynched by these white Christian males that couldn't tolerate it. And as for Judge Amy Coney Barrett, well, let's be honest here. Amy Coney Barrett is a religious fundamentalist, which is her right. She can believe whatever she likes. But when you're putting somebody in the position of a Supreme Court justice, they are supposed to be able to set aside their religious beliefs from what the law says. And Judge Barrett more more than once basically stated that her religion it is more important to her than the law. So, of course, questioning her fundamentalist religious belief was relevant. And they questioned it. They didn't accuse her. So let's get it straight here. And by the way, If Amy Coney Barrett had been an ultra-Orthodox Haredi Jew, I would have been saying the same thing. Because it's about fundamentalist religion, which, yes, goes up. Fundamentalist religion really conflicts, not only with democracy itself, definitely conflicts with secular life, and it conflicts with democracy itself. It just does. So judges that feel that pull, maybe they shouldn't be at the highest court of the land. Okay, They could have found another Republican. Let's get a grip here. Um, so that's what we're talking about. And during Ketanji Brown-Jackson, it wasn't just that she was questioned. These GOP senators, they some directly stated, others they implied, but the, yeah, the way they implied this, it was an accusation that, that she was somehow aiding and abetting pedophiles, that she was pro-pedophile, that she was pro-Nazi. Good Lord. Uh, She is far more patient than I would have been because I would have been looking into suing each one of those senators for slander, libel, and defamation because they're guilty. Keep in mind, these same Republican senators like Lindsey Graham voted a year ago to put the same judge, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, in the U.S. Federal Court of Appeals. They were fine with her. So what changed in the span of a year? I'll tell you what changed. The monster that keeps his lair at Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump. Or as I call him, dumb Donnie the Destroyer. You know, it just, it's just what I think of him. In fact, I know of a writer that is planning a little ditty. And this writer, I wish I was doing it, frankly, because it's too funny what little I've seen. Uh, Donnie the Destroyer, just... Satire is just too damn funny But that's for another day Let's get back to this So we saw the full gamut With Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson Everything From every With the exception of three Republicans After the confirmation vote Every Republican Except for three Stomped out of the Senate Like a bunch of Petulant toddlers with Overloaded diapers Then we see Ted Cruz questioning the judge earlier over whether she believes, get this, that babies are racist. What an incredibly stupid question. But it's feeding to the QAnon nutjobs, all right, that hate the idea of critical race theory. Look, when these QAnons and and Republicans, when they're saying critical race theory, that is not what they mean. That's just bigot code for telling the truth about Systemic racism, period. And then we saw the slandering and defaming, as I said before, of this judge, again, accusing her of aiding and abetting pedophiles, accusing her of being a Nazi sympathizer. And then now, now we have Lindsey Graham. He's running, I guess it's a campaign commercial, you know, complaining that Dems abused Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh, so he thinks turnabout's fair play, you know, Lady Lindsay and I found out this little this little tidbit, okay. I haven't forgotten who told me it's gossip, I admit it. I don't know if it's true or not, but Lindsay Graham is allegedly known in the DC party circuit as Lady Lindsay, and you can figure that out from there. And he likes to throw stones maybe he shouldn't. It, you know, might break his own glass house, get what I'm saying? Lady Lindsay claims that he merely asks tough questions. But the evidence shows otherwise whether by indirectly implying or by direct accusation. The GOP lynch mob, and that's what it was, defamed this judge. Again, Senator Tom Cotton calling around as a Nazi sympathizer. Florida Senator Marco Rubio made the specious claim that he didn't use his ethnicity as a tool to get elected. Really? He didn't cry he was poor little boy from Cuba? Really? You know, once again, this is all being triggered by that big, fat, ugly beast with the damn comb over at Mar-a-Lago, the Donald, which, again, I know I'm being really kind of, kind of silly today, but to have to report this nonsense, and it is nonsense, I, I, I never thought I would see such garbage, such immature juvenile behavior coming out of alleged adults much less U.S. Senators. Um, absolute garbage. You know, and then with Trump, what's the deal with the Donald? I'm kind of doing stream of consciousness today. I mean, to me, the Donald sounds like he is the autistic, and I don't mean to insult autistic people. Some of them are, many are very lovely, but the Donald? Really? That, that's, there's something, it's beyond egotistical. It is asinine. But anyway, all these GOP senators—they just had a lynch mob. They're mainly white Christian males. They circled the, you know, the lynch mob wagons, and they pulled out every racist, neo-Nazi trope, either directly or by using dog whistles, in order to slander, libel, and defame this judge. And it was all premeditated. You know, you have Tucker Carlson mispronouncing her first name. He knows how to pronounce it. It's not that difficult, Katanji. But that is again a racist trope signaling the alien other. My own two senators from Missouri were also involved. Now, predictably, Roy Blunt, who is a, I think in the Senate he's considered number three or number four in terms of the leadership, and you've seen Roy Blunt standing either right to the side of Mitch McConnell or right. The, but you seen his face. So Roy's not trying to hide. But then when he's asked a question, he never answers it, okay? And predictably, he kept quiet, you know, because good old Roy likes to see which way the wind's blowing politically because he's a coward. He refused to give any opinions other than he would vote no for this judge, which he admitted was eminently highly qualified. And his excuse was, quote, judicial philosophy, which is big and code for I won't vote for a Democrat, liberal, or minority that doesn't automatically march lockstep with a dictate established by the GOP of Trump. Again, my opinion. But judicial philosophy, the judge is asked, she doesn't have a judicial philosophy. You know, she looks at it case by case and measures the case on its merits and, and is it consistent with the original doctrine of the Constitution? How much fairer can you get? I thought these GOPers were so originalist, which I, I'm going to say, I'm not an originalist. I, I believe this should be a living document. But, again, she played their game. She's an originalist. She behaves as an originalist. So, again, what, where's the problem with the judicial philosophy, Senator Blunt? You know, he, can't, he got caught in his own lame hypocrisy, you know, or I should say Roy Blunt got caught in his own impotent Philosophy, okay. Little T there. Now my other senator, oh Jesus, Josh Hawley, total embarrassment. I mean, he all but accused her of pedophilia or basically enabling pedophiles. Kind of Again, personally, I wish the judge would sue Hawley in particular for slander and defamation because you know what, she'd win. So. The Republicans continue their ugly attacks, okay? And this is all basically feeding red meat to the QAnon racist neo-Nazis in the GOP of Trump. That's it. There is nothing else to say. And they're using pedophilia, projecting their own vices onto other people. They can't win an argument on its merits. They, they scream, pedophile! You know, it's like when Chank Yuger on The Young Turks you know, shows how these GOPers distract everybody. They're talking about serious, and they go, quorum! These guys go, pedophile. That's all it is. And unfortunately, the white Christian conservative majority eats it up. It's shameful. You know, ask somebody who is part Hispanic and who is a Jew, a religious minority. I can attest. To the vile bigotry in this country. Okay, it, it's not as bad as what a black woman goes through. No, not at all. But the religious bigotry against non-Christians in this country is palpable. You know, it just is. So they went through this. And keep in mind, this is a judge. Not only is she a graduate of the Harvard Law School. That both her degrees are from Harvard. She clerked for the very justice that she's going to be replacing, Steve Breyer. She was one of the editors of the Harvard Law Review, which is very prestigious. Done multiple jobs. You know, unlike Neil Gorsuch, who basically was an administrative judge and and a corporate attorney, Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson has more actual trial experience than the rest of the entire Supreme Court totaled together. She is the most qualified, and these white Christian GOP pigs had to try and lynch her. The only thing they were missing were their white hoods and their swastikas. And I admit, I'm hot about this. Because this judge, this woman should not have had to go through this. Seriously. It disgusted me. So I can't say I'm surprised because I'm not. And I know I've been railing for about, eh, what, 20 minutes? Let's move on. So these people slandered her. They, uh, you know, apparently Senator Roger Wicker, who's a Republican, according to the Guardian, said in late January, even before Jackson was nominated, this was when President Biden said he would nominate a black woman. You know, he said that, President Biden's suggested appointee would, quote, be the beneficiary of affirmative action. Okay. Now, keep in mind, these men failed to understand the only reason affirmative action came about was because of the extreme discrimination that people of color and women of all kinds faced in terms of getting into colleges, in terms of getting into grad, grad schools, you know, here in St. Louis, Washington University is considered like the Harvard of the Midwest, very good school, filled with Asians and je I mean a lot of minorities that weren't allowed. you know um, a lot of Jews go there you know it's, it's a it's a comfortable environment for us. but I recall when I had a cousin that went there, and I believe he graduated Washu Law School probably in like the early sixties, all right. Back then, Jews almost never were gained admission, much less blacks. He had to prove he was that much better than everyone else. So, stop. These people need to stop pretending that affirmative action wasn't needed. It came about because of the extreme discrimination that was totally unreasonable. You know, keep in mind notorious RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Harvard Law School, top of her class, and when she graduated. She couldn't get a job as an attorney. They said you can be a legal secretary. This is why affirmative action was needed, to create equity. It didn't mean that people gained admission that didn't deserve to be there. You people, and I do mean that in the most, when I'm talking about white, the white majority, I mean you people in the most derogatory sense of the phrase. You people need to get over yourselves. Okay, so that was one of the remarks. Tucker Carlson, you know, once again, um, he was demanding that the White House release the judge's LSAT score, which is the law school admissions test. I don't, first of all, it's not relevant because she, I believe she was top of her graduating class from law school. What does it take? And then he mispronounced her words. you know, again, she is considered one of the most qualified Supreme Court nominees in recent history, according to the Washington Post. Again, past jobs, Supreme Court clerk, public defender, district court judge, member of the U.S. Sentencing Commission, and a federal appeals judge. What does it take? Okay. And then they were implying that after that, that she was sympathetic to pedophiles, especially Josh Hawley pushing that. Josh Hawley pushed that lynch mob. Okay. It was in a Twitter thread uh, that was before several days before the hearings began, and he claimed in his Twitter that Judge Jackson, quote, had a pattern of letting child porn offenders off the hook for their appalling crimes, end quote. Now, Hawley's claims were debunked by fact checkers as documented by the Washington Post, They were also debunked by conservative legal experts as documented by the National Review in an article entitled, Senator Hawley's Disingenuous Attack Against Judge Jackson's Record on Child Pornography. And the last time I checked, the National Review was hardly a bastion of liberal thought. It is a conservative publication. Okay. Hawley got caught. He just got caught. All right. Did he apologize? Hell no! Did he pay attention? No, of course not. All right, and this is really about when Hawley made this slanderous accusation. And it is slander, dangerous slander at that. Um, this was a smear signaling to QAnon and other extremists because apparently QAnon believes that these that Democratic leaders are part of this evil cabal that does child sex trafficking. Now, mind you, there, there's no evidence at all. None. Zero. Zip. But this type of slander is so similar to what Hitler and the Nazis pushed when they slandered my people. It's disgusting. This comes straight from the Hitler playbook. Make no mistake about it. In fact, I probably will dig up some old... um propaganda information and sh- and share it with the audience on another broadcast seriously and Josh Holly knows better you know he knows that you shouldn't slander libel or defame graduate of Yale Law School I, I believe they taught about slander and libel law at Yale Law School I'm pretty sure they covered it but Media Matters, which, yes, is a left report, left-leaning um, fact-checker, they did report that Holly's comments, quote, spread like wildfire on QAnon form- forums, okay? So, now, once the allegation was outed as a lie, you would have thought these people would have just shut up already. They didn't. These Republican senators kept pushing anyway, Okay? They questioned her about her handling of child abuse cases, and Lady Lindsay joined the Know Nothing peanut gallery. Now, keep in mind, Lady Lindsey, Lindsey Graham, ironically voted yes to confirm Jackson to the U.S. Court of Appeal for the D.C. Circuit a year ago, but he told her to her face this week during the hearing that, quote, I'm going to use his stupid accent. Every judge who does what you are doing is making it easier for the children to be exploited, end quote. Now, keep in mind, Lady Lindsay voted for both of Barack Obama's Supreme Court nominees when Obama was in office. He knows quality when he sees it. But now he's uh, trying to be an ally of Donald Trump, the monster of Mar-a-Lago. I think that's what I'm going to call him from now on. And this, you know, according to this article, this is a this is an article that ran in. Um, give me a second here. This article is based uh, ran in the Guardian. The art, author is Joan Joan E. Grieve. That's her name. So this is where I'm getting this information, among other places. Now, um, Graham's trying to become an ally of the monster of Mar-a-Lago, a.k.a. the the Donald. Um, and and, And this writer is saying that Lindsey Graham's response really could be a case study in the GOP's party's move to the far fascist right. And I would go further and say it's a case study in GOP cowardice when faced with what can only be called a racist, Neo-Confederate, neo-Nazi lynch mob. I'm going there. If, you don't, if some of you don't like it, there's a lot people quoted. Tara Setmayer, I think I'm saying her name right, was a former House Republican communications advisor. Uh, she left the party in 2020, and she was quoted as saying the following, quote, Lindsey Graham is the epitome of a political parasite. He needs to have a host in order to thrive. He did it with John McCain. He did it again with Donald Trump, and now he's doing it with a MAGA QAnon base in order to maintain relevancy, end quote. There's another quote from Jim Manley, who was a former, so we've got one quote from the Republican side. Now, another from the more more corporate Dem side, Jim Manley was a former senior advisor to the late Democratic Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, and he said that, you know, this behavior was, quote, shocking, yet not surprising, behavior of all these Senate Republicans. And Manley was quoted saying, quote, it was one thing to work in the Senate and to watch traditionally conservative senators like Chuck Grassley spouting, start spouting Tea Party lines in 2009 and 2010. But to see more and more House and Senate Republicans spout QAnon-friendly talking points is a whole nother ball ballgame and shows to me that there's a real poison moving through the Republican Party, end quote. Now, there were three Republicans that remained civil and did their job, and they voted for Judge Jackson. And then they behaved in the Senate chamber like civil professionals, like adults. And that was, um, excuse me, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, and Mitt Romney. So, of course the one of the house nut jobs marjorie taylor green had to slander those three republicans okay so she went and slandered them and i'm going to try and sound like mjt i mean MTG, excuse me marjorie taylor green any senator voting to confirm k j bay is pro pedophile just like she is You are either a senator that supports child rapists, child pornography, and the most vile child predators, or you are a senator who protects children and votes no to KJB. Okay. I would hate to see. (laughs) It's obvious that Marjorie Taylor Greene comes from the very shallow end of the gene pool. Okay. Okay. Possibly, I'm making a joke. Possibly, inbred like hell. But there you go. Um, and again, Tara Mayer, who was St. Mayer, who was a Republican communications um, aide, she basically warned that when when Republican leaders refuse to condemn the slanderous rhetoric of Green and people like her, it's only going to increase this this behavior. She goes on to say, quote, they are in the driver's seat of today's Republican Party. And as much as the establishment wants to deny that, uh, and not only is it dangerous, but it undermines our democracy when people like this are given a platform and are given power. And it's true. Jim Manley said pretty much the same thing, echoed it. Um, Manley was quoted saying, quote, I've been saying for years, the Senate is broken. But what I saw during these confirmation hearings has got me really concerned about our fundamental ability to legislate. This is far beyond anything that I've ever seen before in my time on Capitol Hill, end quote. Okay. So that's what we're dealing with here. And I will just go farther and say, look, since Donald Trump, it really started with the Tea Party. You know, as much fun as it is to blame everything on the monster of Mar-a-Lago, he doesn't get all the credit. The Tea Party started with this trial balloon. And we watched in 09 because their heads basically exploded with the idea that a black man was president. They could not fathom it. And the Tea Party grew from that overt racism and what can only be called neo-Confederate neo-Nazism. That's what it is, period. Uh, and the members of the GOP that refuse to condemn it, that refuse to fight it, they are complicit. And that includes Roy Blunt. Bottom line. So let's move on to the next story. This is about Ukrainians in concentration camps. Now, Putin and his propagandists are calling them filtration camps. And we've seen this before. Basically what's happening is that Ukrainian civilians trying to get into another part of Europe have been kidnapped. They are held in these camps where they are interrogated, some tortured. There's reports of rape. And their passport, their ID is taken from them. And then when the Russian soldiers are done with them, they're shipped on a bus to towns in Russia where they, again, don't want to be. And I can't say I blame them. You know, my dad's parents both came from Russia. They were Russian Jews. And I can tell you right now, there isn't a single person of Russian Jewish heritage that doesn't despise Russia. Because even before Putin got in power, anti-Semitism and religious bigotry, the religious lynch mob, was alive and well through the Russian Orthodox Church against both Muslims, Buddhists, and Jews. You know, the pogrom was instituted, this was before the communists were in charge, this was during the time of the Tsars, the tail end, the pogroms were instituted and really um, caused by the Russian Orthodox Church. And it wasn't like Fiddler on the Roof. They didn't get warnings. You know, Hollywood needs to stop down downplaying it. I remember my grandmother telling me stories. These thugs on horseback would just, with the horse and all, just knock your door down. They bayoneted babies. My great-grandmother had just given birth in one instance. She had a hide in a snowdrift. God only knows how long she was there. Okay, The pogrom, that it was a genocide. Make no mistake about it. Russia has a long history of it. And what's happening in Ukraine, you know, Zelensky <laughs> is going to be on 60 Minutes tonight. And one of the statements he made in the in the advert I saw made sense. He said, this is a war against modernity, and it is. Putin really likes the Russian Orthodox Church. This is worldwide. You see these fascists creeping up, and it's not just the traditional fascists or its corporate role. These are, when I say fascists, neo-Nazis that basically... They want women to be subservient and pop up as many babies as they want because that's how you grow armies. They want people of color to either be enslaved or disappeared. They want religious minorities like Muslims and Jews to be dead and gone. They're, the LGBTQ community, want dead and gone. There's no guesswork here. These people are blatant about it. This is, they hate modernity. They hate change. They want to live back in medieval times practically, except maybe with some electricity. And Zelensky's got it nail on the head. Make no mistake about it. So we've got this article from HuffPost, Huffington Post, and it was written by Marita Vlachew. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this correctly. And it's in the World News section. It was published um, several days ago, April 5th. And the headline is, Mariupol women report Russians taking Ukrainians to filtration camps. Witnesses say Russian officers are subjecting Ukrainian civilians to interrogation and confiscation of personal items before moving them to Russia. Once they're moved to Russia, you know what's going to happen. They're going to be put in re-education camps, which is translation, they're going to be put in a distant prison in the coldest part of the continent where they will be tortured, abused, brainwashed some murdered. Look, there's nothing new here. Putin did this with Chechnya, and the world just didn't do much. Let's be honest. Let's be honest about this. And the sad part about Chechnya, which President Zelensky is trying to get through to the rest of Europe, my prediction is, God forbid, if Chechnya, I'm not Chechnya, if, if Ukraine falls, Yeah, I believe the rest of Europe is next. You don't have to look any further than a map to see what Putin's doing. He is blocking them off from warm water seaports and landlocking them further north. And then he's surrounding them on the other side. And the only reason you surround somebody like that is to trap them and to murder them. That's it. That's all it is. And I know I saw on, um, what was it? <clears throat> NBC News, I believe, today, where the Austrian um, ambassador, or was it the prime minister, was saying that, um, you know, they're going to remain neutral, you know, they're going to talk to the Russians, this neutrality bullshit's got to end, neutrality, you know, the late Howard Zinn was right, neut- and, and as well as uh, some others. Neutrality always helps the oppressor. It just does. When you refuse to make the choice and you remain neutral, you're making a choice. You're siding with the oppressor. That's it. So, um, let's see now. There was, they quoted this one woman hiding in a Mariupol suburb since the beginning of March. She told The Guardian, quote, people need to know the truth that Ukrainians are being moved to Russia, the country that is occupying us you know what, I'm not going to just blame conservatives. I'm angry at some progressives as well because they're hypocrisy, right? You guys are always, you know, worried about what's happening in Israel with Palestinians, and, and I worry too, actually. But you're fine with Ukrainians being treated even worse? You can't have it both ways. This woman's report is apparently, according to this, consistent with claims by the Mariupol City Council. Russians, Russian soldiers are kidnapping, and they have kidnapped apparently 20,000 Mariupol residents. And this was according to an English translation of a post on the council's Telegram channel on March 29. Russian soldiers have apparently kidnapped and sent Ukrainians, uh, including patients and staff from two maternity hospitals in Mariupol and through Russian controlled parts of eastern Ukraine as reported by NPR, National Public Radio. Uh, the woman that told the Guardian this she was part of a group of some two to three hundred people who were taken to Novo Azovsk, Ukraine, in a bus. Now the filtration tents, this is where kidnapped Ukrainian civilians are abused further. Okay? These are just military tents. She had, this woman said she had her photo and fingerprints taken. She was questioned about her ties to the Ukrainian military. And get this, her opinion on the war. And then she was sent to the Russian town of Rostov. Now, the opinion about the war is significant because, keep in mind, Russians aren't allowed to have opinions that Vladimir Putin doesn't like. Okay? Keep in mind, Putin just pushed through a dubious law, in air quotes, because, again, law should be about justice, not this bullshit. And the law basically is if you criticize what the Russians are doing in Ukraine, or if you dare to even call it a war, which it is, then you can get 15 years in jail, in prison. Um, other people reported that they had, they had to hand in their phones and passwords so that these officers could get their phone contacts and register them in a database. That was as reported by the Washington Post again. Straight from the Nazi playbook. This is exactly what Hitler did. You know, it's ironic that Putin keeps telling the lie that they are invading Ukraine because they're trying to save people from the Nazis when the truth is Vladimir Putin's the real Nazi. Now, before you guys scream and say, but Russia helped, you know, helped defeat the Nazis in World War II. Yes and no. Russia did a lot, but it's not for the reason you think. In the early part of the war, when Hitler was on the rise, Stalin, who was the leader of Russia then, and Hitler had a, they both signed a non-aggression pact. So Russia was working hand in hand. Russia was fine with what Hitler was doing. Absolutely fine. Russia only started to work with the Allies against Hitler when Hitler broke his word and started invading parts of Russia. Russia. That's the only reason why. So let's let's stop this crap about how Russia saved lives in the Holocaust. Again, it was about self-interest, and the Russians, again, were brutal with Holocaust victims. So let's just stop this nonsense. Putin is the Nazi. It's the same playbook. It just is. Um, now, of course, this woman left the group. Uh, she was able to leave because she told the soldiers that she had family in that area, and somehow she got away and made her way into the EU. Now, Kremlin spokesman, spokesperson uh, was a person named Dmitry Peskov, and according to the Guardian, claimed, quote, such reports are lies. They're not. Okay, what what would these people have to gain from that? They just want to be left alone, keep in mind. Russia invaded Ukraine, not the other way around. The kidnappings amount out to illegal deportations, and they are classified as war crimes according to the United Nations. And President Biden did call out Putin as a war criminal and he's right, okay? And the pre- President Biden uh, pledged extra sanctions after atrocities in Bucha were documented according to HuffPost. Um, now, according to Moscow, according to Washington Post, Moscow uh, said that in March they rescued some 420,000 people, quote, from dangerous regions of Ukraine, the Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republic, and evacuated them to Russia. End quote. Um, you know, once again, this is absurd. All right, it just is, and for Vladimir Putin to assert that he and his troops are trying to protect Ukrainians from Nazis, you know, inferring that Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, is a Nazi, that's that's the height of absurdity. First of all, Zelensky's Jewish. I've heard a lot of non-Jews say, well, he's of Jewish heritage. Okay. That is code for we don't really understand what Jews are about and what they've gone through. And frankly, we're just thinking he's not really Jewish because he's not following all the traditions. Like Christianity, Judaism has different sects. Just as not all Christians are ultra-Orthodox Catholics, not all Jews are ultra-Orthodox. There's different sects. There's Reform, there's Conservative, there's Orthodox, there's Haredi, which is ultra-Orthodox. And the fact is, a lot of Jews, including a lot of Jews here in the U.S., you could say are of Jewish heritage because, frankly, it's difficult to openly practice. It just is still. Melting pot, if you will, sought to erase us. I grew up from hearing from my mother, it's nobody's business what you are cause you never know who's a hater, you know, where people were, my father was questioning, you know, he had to just kind of say he's he generic American, just not even mention that he was Jewish, or he'd be denied jobs. This was when I was a child. It was in the 1960s. This is real. So when you say that Zelensky is just of Jewish heritage, he's a Jew. Because okay? you know what? When Hitler came marching through, murdering us, he didn't care if you were just nominally Jewish or you were ultra-Orthodox. Everybody went. Okay? Zelensky is a Jew his father was the only, his grandfather of four brothers was the only one that survived the Holocaust. How dare Vladimir Putin try to smear Zelensky? How dare he? Meanwhile, while Zelensky is there on the ground with his people, refusing to leave, Vladimir Putin won't even sit He has to sit 30 feet away from somebody because he's so paranoid about COVID. His grown daughters live in the lap of luxury in Switzerland and in France. You know, bottom line is this, Putin is a war criminal and Putin's a Nazi. Now, according to this article, and again, I'm being very opinionated today. I realize that I'm that angry about this. We don't need to think twice about this. Bathsheba Crocker, who is the U.S. ambassador to the UN, was quoted, quote, these acts which in past Russian operations have included targeted killings, kidnappings, forced disappearances, unjust detention, and the use of torture would likely target those who oppose Russian actions. It's true. Just the term filtration camps. It's propagandistic language, and it originates from the old Soviet Union at the end of World War II. Keep in mind, before he was a political candidate, where did Putin build his career? The KGB. The KGB, which is basically, I guess would be the Russian equivalent of the Gestapo. Okay? And there's a saying, once KGB, always KGB. So, you know, once again, Human Rights Watch, which is a... um, has a report that details violence that was committed by russian soldiers in past actions uh, one in particular in chechnya in 1999 and apparently with putin's with putin's blessing and you can look up that report on human rights watch um and you know and they use the same term filtration camps and in the filtration camp in chechnya in 99 um this occurred during Putin's first month in power, and um, this is, you know, nothing new here. Now, um, Human Rights Watch is a not-for-profit that protects, um, not just one, but protects the LGBTQ community, okay? And we know that, you know, Putin is a homophobe, nothing new there, okay? And this Ukrainian war has people worried that, you know, it's going to be like Chechnya. Thomas DeWall is a journalist, and he covered um, that area around Chechnya in the 1990s. And he told NPR, quote, there are some pretty disturbing parallels. The use of heavy artillery, the indiscriminate attacking of an urban center, they bring back some pretty terrible memories for those of us who covered the Chechnya war of the 1990s. And, end quote, and so the idea is that Mariupol is the southern port city, and that's where a lot of people, um, you know, were taken, that's where the filtration camps originated, and they faced continued bombardments. Okay, there's nothing new here, folks, this, the New York Times reported upon this, and this is a piece by um, let's see now, Richard Perez-Pena, okay? And uh, the title is, What Happened on Day 41 of the War in Ukraine? Okay? And they quoted Zelensky, quote, Now the world can see what Russia did in Bukha. Um And then he goes on, Just this past Tuesday, um, Zelensky accuses Russia, I'm sorry, it Titles, Zelensky accuses Russia of atrocities and criticizes UN's inaction. My bad. Um, That's the article by Richard Perez-Tenya. And anybody can make a mistake. I'll admit it. So just this past Tuesday, Zelensky addressed the UN Security Council on Russian atrocities. And keep in mind, Russia is a member of the five-member Security Council that are permanent members, and they have a veto power. Russia shouldn't be on it. In fact, I think if you're going to keep the U.N. at all, it needs to be majorly reformed. But, uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> so, you know, the atrocities in the Kiev suburbs keeps mounting. Um, Zelensky delivered what they called a scathing speech. He accused Russia of, quote, a litany of horrors and questioned whether a world body that takes no action to stop a war serves any purpose, end quote. And he spoke for, uh, in a video link. He compared Russian forces to the Islamic State, and he demanded a Nuremberg-like war crimes tribunal. He also vented some pretty, bad, some pretty bitter frustration, and I can't say I blame him. And he knew the council, you know, Russia is one of the five permanent members and that they're going to do nothing but talk. Now, from Zelensky's speech, quote, where is the security the Security Council needs to guarantee? And that's where he's questioning whether Russia deserves to keep its seat on the council. Quote, are you ready to close the UN? Do you think that the time of international law is gone? If your answer is no, then you need to act immediately, end quote. Then the chamber became very silent. There was a short video where Zelensky's government... Uh, they did this video and showed the hundreds of, some of the hundreds of corpses that were strewn around the city of buka buka is northwest of Key. Um, to quote from this article, there were, quote, bloated, charred bodies of civilians, including children, end quote. Okay? Some of them, we saw the pictures, their hands were bound behind their backs. They had been shot in the head. I sincerely doubt if they shot themselves in the head. Uh, Zelinsky explained that in Bucca, quote, they killed entire families, adults and children, and they tried to burn the bodies. Civilians were crushed by tanks while sitting in their cars in the middle of the road, end quote. And he went on adding, quote, women were raped and killed in front of their children. Their tongues were pulled out, end quote. So what was the Chinese UN ambassador doing during this film? China didn't criticize Russia. They just calmly said the Security Council should wait until investigations, you know, establish the facts in Ukraine. We have the facts. There's film. And even if you argue it's a deep fake, there's ways of detecting that, you know. Putin made the absurd charge that the Ukrainians are doing it to their own people. That, you know, it's a Nazi government. Again, Zelensky's a Jew. Zelensky lost most of his family in the Holocaust. You know, if you're going to tell a lie, don't tell a set of incredibly stupid lies. So tired of this. Of course, the Russian, the Russian ambassador of the U.N., made similar stupid lies. This is a person named Vasily Nebanzaya. And this person reiterated Putin's lies. You know, again, there's ample evidence, but this the ambassador said that the atrocities in Buka had been faked. Uh, the Russian ambassador also made uh, some, multiple unsupported claims including, uh, quote, stating falsely that in Ukraine, where the freely elected president is a Jew who lost family members of the Holocaust, that, quote, Nazis are running the show, end quote. Okay, the only thing I have to say to the coward, known as the Russian UN ambassador, Vasily Nebensyya, is President Zelensky is Jewish, you dumbass, and he lost most of his family in the Holocaust, Stop telling incredibly stupid lies. I swear, I would just want to smack... That no good coward in the face. You would think that a Russian ambassador would come up with a better flicker set of lies, if nothing else. So this is what we're dealing with. Okay. I'm looking at this picture of Buri dyanka Ukraine, apartment buildings that are just they're wrecked. I mean even if Ukraine wins, what are they going to come home to? I mean, not only should we be helping them, once Russia is defeated, we should force the Russians to pay reparations. And Putin himself and his his uh, lieutenants should all be forced into a Nuremberg-type uh, trial setting for crimes against humanity. And the Chinese government for doing nothing, for aiding and abetting the Russians? Uh, Personally, I don't think sanctions are enough. You know, here in the United States, we actually need manufacturing back anyway. I would say that all American-owned businesses, both in Russia and China, especially manufacturing, should be forced back to the United States. And those business heads told either come back or we're going to seize your assets. That's it. I'm not sure how you would do it legally, but I'm just saying they should be forced back to the United States because neither Russia nor China can be trusted. And personally, my theory is that, again, I suspect that China is letting Putin do some of their dirty work for them. They're waiting to see how much the world protest, how much the world will actually stand up to Putin. And if we don't stand up to Putin, China is going to get bold, too. Because both Ping and Putin both think like predators. China's just smarter about it, that's all. Okay? So reporting to this New York Times report um, article was also contributed by the following people, Carlotta Gall in Borodanyana, Ukraine. Andrew E. Kramer in Kiev, Rick Gladstone, Michael Swerth, and Farnaz Fasihi in New York, Dan Bilewski in Montreal, Stephen Erlinger and Matina Stevis-Gridneff in Brussels, Megha Spacia and Cora Engelbrecht in Krakow, Poland, Anton Trino, Trinovsky in Istanbul, and Laura Jakes, Don, John Ismay, and Katie Rogers in Washington. Um, Again, I'm aware I'm giving a lot of opinion today because the facts are on the ground. Just there. And the world is doing very little. Yes, we're sanctioning them. But we need to have a no-fly zone. You know, because, what, Putin's threatening nuclear war? Guess what? You know, Putin knows full well if he's stupid enough to drop a nuke, the response will be immediate. We'll nuke him. I don't think he wants that. That's why it's called mutually assured destruction. You know, once again. And, you know, I think there are other factors involved in this. I feel like the Ukrainian people are, are unfortunate pawns. There's more going on. All right, so that's our second story. Our third story is very underreported. Just as these other two stories... There was a lot in there this one was underreported. you know we know the IPcc climate report came out third report and the third installment actually these reports happen every seven years roughly and this report um, you know basically said it's now or never you know the IPCC for those who are not unfamiliar is the intergovernmental panel on climate change it's it's sanctioned it's authorized by the u n and you know this is zero hour we talked about this on the environmental justice report this past thursday this story was really ignored it's zero hour we're in a state of climate emergency and yet both corporate democrats and republicans are still pushing fossil fuels like a drug dealer pushes crack on the corner but this story isn't just about the usa globally we watch in horror as government controlled by the oligarchy, the 1%, the billionaire cast, if you will, continue to push fossil fuels even when the scientific evidence clearly states that fossil fuels are the central threat to the planet's existence. The IPCC report says the situation is dire. And yet, even the IPCC report has been watered down at the demand of government representatives keeping the truth from the public. That's why these scientists felt the need to do civil disobedience, including some climate scientists that chained themselves to the the fence outside the White House. Okay? So according to the Guardian, the report was released. It was the third and final section of the IPCC's Comprehensive Review of Climate Science. Keep in mind, this report draws on the work of thousands of scientists worldwide. That's number one. Number two, you know, even the BBC report, their environmental reporter got it wrong. He claimed that he looked at the 63-page report and he misrepresented it. The 63-page part is the mere summary. The report itself is like almost 3,000 pages, like 2,900 and some odd pages. And each report takes about seven years to complete. And this one is really potentially the last warning before we're on an irrevocable path to what they call, quote, climate breakdown. So what is it going to take? We're trapped in a world run by billionaires and corporate behemoths. In short, we're trapped in a world run by addicts and their, their drug of choice is money, power, and status. But the main findings of the IPCC report are saying we have to change things now. And these scientists, they were so angry that the report they worked hard on had been watered down. That they were trying to get attention by committing acts of civil disobedience and getting arrested. So, except for Reuters, practically no one in the mainstream did a story on this. And keep in mind, Reuters is a news wire agency. Newsweek always doesn't—they just ignored it. Okay. Um, so, once again, I saw this article in a little site called Common Dreams uh, written by Jake Johnson, quote, dozens arrested as scientists worldwide mobilized to demand climate revolution. Okay, one scientist quoted saying, quote, if everyone could see what I see coming, society would switch into climate emergency mode and end fossil fuels in just a few years, end quote. So this was published April 7th. More than a thousand scientists across the globe chained themselves to the doors of, one, oil-friendly banks, two, blocked bridges, and three, occupied the steps of government buildings this past Wednesday because they were sending an urgent message that the ecological crisis is accelerating and only, quote, a climate revolution will be enough to avert catastrophe. (coughs) Excuse me. One scientist was uh, quoted saying, quote, world leaders are still expanding the fossil fuel industry as fast as they can, but this is insane. So this was, the organizers described this as, quote, the world's largest ever scientist-led civil disobedience campaign. Um, one of the report's authors, the, the scientists that helped author this report, blew the whistle. Blew the whistle on the fact that the IPCC's language, was watered down, quote, at the behest of governments unwilling to rapidly phase out fossil fuels. One of the report's authors said, quote, unless there are immediate and deep emissions reductions across all sectors, 1.5 degrees Celsius uh, is beyond reach. Um, Their slogan was, quote, 1.5 degrees Celsius is dead, climate revolution now. U.S. climate scientist Peter Kalmas chained himself with some others to the front door of a J.P. Morgan Chase building in L.A. He said the following, quote, I'm taking action because I feel desperate. It's the 11th hour in terms of Earth breakdown, and I feel terrified for my kids and terrified for humanity. World leaders are still expanding the fossil fuel industry as fast as they can, but this is insane. The science clearly indicates that everything we hold dear is at risk, including even civilization itself and the wonderful, beautiful, cosmically precious life on this planet. I actually don't get how any scientist who understands this could possibly stay on the sidelines at this point, end quote. The demonstration by scientists in L.A. Um, In D.C., climate scientists chained themselves to the White House fence. They were arrested. Um, they demanded that President Biden declare, quote, a climate emergency. Now, why were they doing it? Apparently, if the President declares what is called a climate emergency, that would subsequently unlock uh, a range of tools that we could combat global warming with. Now, Attorney General Merrick Garland should take note. Keep in mind, the monster of Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump, has still not been arrested and charged even though there's plenty of evidence of criminal uh, activity on his part, but climate scientists were arrested immediately. Notice the discrepancy in treatment, a.k.a. police malfeasance and fealty to the rich and powerful. Dr. Rose Abramoff was arrested. She was one of the scientists arrested. She had chained herself to the fence outside the White House. Quote, This is what Dr. Rose Abramoff had to say. Quote, we have not made the changes necessary to limit warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, rendering this goal effectively impossible. We need to both understand the consequences of our inaction as well as limit fossil fuel emissions as much and as quickly as possible. I'm taking action to urge governments and society to stop ignoring the collective finding of decades of research. Let's make this crisis impossible to ignore. Now, this was all over the world. Where was the media? They just ignored it because the slap around the world, Chris Rock doing some, I'm sorry, Chris Rock making eh, a somewhat tasteless joke and Will Smith doing something stupid, namely slapping the you-know-what out of him, that took center stage. But it's not important. This is. Okay? This. And so these acts of civil disobedience were across the globe because these scientists are saying that the crisis is going to intensify the extreme weather we're seeing, it's going to endanger critical ecosystems, and it's going to kill people worldwide. In Madrid, scientists flash red paint, quote, on the walls and steps of the, what they call the Congress of Deputies, which is like their, their Congress, to you know, get the attention of lawmakers. This is an existential climate threat in Germany. Scientists mobilized, they blocked a bridge near the country's parliament building. There was not been an editorial published in the Guardian um, and Professor Kalmus warned that, quote, earth breakdown is much worse than most people realize. The science indicates that as fossil fuels continue to heat our planet, everything we love is at risk. For me, one of the most horrific aspects of all of this is the juxtaposition of present-day and near-future climate disasters with the business-as-usual occurring all around me. It's so surreal that I often find myself reviewing the science to make sure it's really happening. Sort of scientific nightmare armpit. Yes, it's really happening. And again, if everyone could see what I see coming, society would switch into climate emergency mode and end fossil fuels in just a few years, end quote. Keep in mind, uh, uh, Professor Rose Abramoff, outside the White House, peaceably chained herself to the fence. She was arrested immediately. But MAGA idiots were allowed, after a day of extreme violence, trying to overthrow the government, they were allowed to, this is all about money, folks. This really is. And, you know, even the UN Secretary General, Antonio Gutierrez, in an article by The Guardian, he also called out governments as liars, uh, specifically he called world governments liars regarding climate mitigation efforts, attempts to try and make it better. Um, he wrote a what they call strongly worded rebuke, Gutierrez said, quote, some government and business leaders are saying one thing but doing another, simply put, they are lying and the results will be catastrophic, end quote. Um, U.S. Special Presidential Envoy for Climate Change, uh, John Kerry, called the IPCC report, quote, a defining moment for our planet. And he warned the governments have to move faster. Kerry was quoted as saying, quote, the report tells us that we are currently falling short in our battle to avoid the worst consequences of the climate crisis and mobilize the urgent global action needed. But importantly, the report also tells us we have the tools we need to reach our goals, cut greenhouse gas emissions in half by 2030, reach net zero by 2050 and secure a healthier, cleaner planet, end quote. Okay, problem with that statement. Notice he said secure net zero. People that aren't in the know think that net zero means that we're cleaning up the environment. That isn't what net zero means. Net zero is a phrase that was concocted by PR firms that work for, guess who, the fossil fuel industry. It's, it's like greenwashing. It sounds like you're doing something, but you're not. And John Kerry knows better. Seriously. Net zero is as bogus, to use the Donald's word, fake promise, that we know we're polluting and, we, and net zero means we will never pollute more than we are right now even though what we're doing right now is killing the planet. So net zero is a fool's quest. And even though it was backed by Republicans and Democrats alike, it's, pardon my language, bullshit, and John Kerry knows it. And actually, except for politics, I don't know why John Kerry is the U.S. Special Presidential Envoy for Climate. What is his credential? Is he a climate scientist? No. He's a lawyer and a politician. The special presidential envoy for climate in the U.S. should be a climate scientist, like Rose Abramoff. Damn. This is about whether or not our kids and grandkids have a world that is habitable. Newsflash, they won't unless we change our ways severely. Remember that movie that just came out, Don't Look Up? about an asteroid about to hit this is the same type of situation this is hide your head in the sand it won't be that bad the rich think they can get far enough away in a gated community well newsflash they can't and i guess bezos and musk know that which is maybe that's why they created their giant penis rocket so they could escape the planet i don't know the ipcc working group number three did have some suggestions, but they're not strong enough. They did say coal must be phased out if the world is to stay within 1.5 Celsius. And the planned new fossil fuel infrastructure would cause the world to exceed that goal. They said methane emissions must be reduced by a third. They said growing forests and preserving soils, yes, is necessary, but tree planting can't do enough to compensate for the emissions we're producing right now, even at net zero. Again, net zero is a scam, people. Um, they suggested that investment uh, in a shift to a low-carbon world is about six times lower than it needs to be. We need to shift it. They said all sectors of global economy, from an- energy to transport and such, uh, and new technologies like carbon capture storage are needed, except for one thing. These new technologies they're mentioning, like CCR, carbon, carbon capture, I mean, CCS, carbon capture and storage, there's no proof that it actually works. It's still in development. And a lot of these other technologies are either in effect, and we've talked about on, the, on EJR, we'll talk about in the future again, or these are technologies that they're talking about that haven't even come into existence yet, tying to us. Okay. There was a. They quoted a professor of soils and global change at Aberdeen University named Pete Smith, who said the following quote: "The time of reckoning is now. We have one decade to get on track. We use fossil fuels and all these things that we need to change." Okay. Madeline Dusar is the UN Chair of the Least Developed Countries Group at the climate talks, and. She was quoted as saying, quote, there can be no new fossil fuel infrastructure. The emissions from existing, existing and planned infrastructure alone are higher than scenarios consistent with limiting warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius with no or limited overshoot. We cannot afford to lock in the use of fossil fuels. Katherine Mitchell is a professor emerita of energy policy at Exeter University. And she mentioned how the needs of poor, the world's poorest countries have to come first. She said, quote, unless we have social justice, there are not going to be more accelerated greenhouse gas reductions. These issues are tied together. Amen, sister. What she's talking about really is she's really alluding to um, environmental racism. A little more tea here. Again, the report was watered down. That's why these scientists felt the need to protest. The publication report, according to the Guardian, was delayed by a few hours because government reps were arguing with scientists in this big session. I think they say arguing. I suspect they were threatening them. And this was over the final message in the 63-page summary, which the BBC environmental, program, environmental uh, reporter called the report, just the summary. And even though IPCC reports are led by scientists, according to the Guardian, quote, governments have input. On the final messages in the summary for policymakers. End quote. And, and for me, the plain fact is that government government reps should have no say in the report. It should be the truth as reported by scientists. Period. End of story. This is about whether or not this world this world survives, whether or not the our children, grandchildren have a world that is habitable. And we don't have a decade. We have to really change things in a few short years, truth be told. Furthermore, I would say that one way to do it, I know myself, I consider myself an environmentalist. I had to, for instance, I had to replace my my furnace to eat my home. And, you know, here in St. Louis, the winter's can get pretty cold. And I would have loved to have gone solar. I couldn't afford it. The fact, very simply, is this. Instead, we need to take, this is my suggestion, instead of, allowing the fossil fuel industry to continue to receive taxpayer subsidies that they do not deserve or need, take them back, make them pay it back, and then take that money and cut a check or a voucher, if you will, so that every household can switch from their gas furnaces and, in other words, their HVAC units, gas, uh, heating, and cooling, and switch to a renewable so that they can't afford to do it. That's That's the only way you're going to get people to cooperate. The greed's got to stop. It just does. And this really, this last story, is the most important story of the day. Okay, all this other stuff's going to be moot. It won't matter. It is lovely that Ketanji Brown-Jackson is going to be the next Supreme Court justice. I am thrilled by it. But compared to the environmental emergency, it's just not as important. It doesn't take precedence. This, this is an environmental just, in, environmental emergency. We're on a highway to hell, literally, and people are hiding their heads in the sand. We have to change our ways, and yes, we need government subsidies so that low-income and middle-income people can change their HVAC systems, for instance, to renewables. I would love to do it. I can't afford it. It was like triple the cost, and I was barely able to afford the furnace I received. And all those jobs that go to the fossil fuel industry, switch it over to renewables, subsidize those workers, do whatever you have to do, we have to change our ways immediately. Time for the adults of this world to start behaving like adults. We have failed miserably. The kids of Extinction Rebellion are right. Greta Thunberg, she's right. And right now, unfortunately, our societies are being run by addicts. And their drug of choice is money, power, and status. It's greed. It's just that simple. So instead of worrying about whether or not Will Smith should have slapped Chris Rock and other nonsense, we need to join these climate scientists And we need to work on this immediately. There's not going to be a tomorrow. It won't make any difference. Okay, we're going to be talking about this more and more. Um, The Environmental Justice Report, which airs on Thursday evenings. Uh, Again, both the Sunday show and EJR, all our shows are archived, so you can access them. You can download them at any time. So you can listen to them at your leisure. Um, you can also check out my writing at my new publishing home at BuzzFlash. I am a featured contributor. Uh, I also publish at Nation of Change and Op-Ed News. Uh, we're going to be doing more and more of this. Stay tuned in. I hope, again, I know I was very excitable today because I am so tired of These corporate and conservative liars, I've hit my limit. But that being said, I hope you found some value in today's show. And with that, I say good day and, oh, God, God bless us. We're going to need it.